So, I want to begin today by speaking to you about when hunger and thirst drive you. When hunger and thirst drive you. Sometimes you've heard perhaps this saying that, uh, well, they just aren't hungry enough. In relating to perhaps an athlete who is an upstart or or maybe you have a veteran athlete and, and they were really good and now it just seems like they're going through the motions and people will say, well, why, why aren't they performing like they used to? And they go, well, they're just not hungry. But then you have this upstart and he's trying to make a name for himself and, and he's doing everything he can as hard as he can every day that he can because he's hungry. He wants it. And I think that's kind of the attitude that we have to have when we're talking about pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. We have to be relentless with pursuing him and we have to be hungry for him because in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 that's going to be our focal text today and then I'm going to turn you to uh, Psalm 63 if you want to thumb those through there Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 and Psalm 63 we have to be hungry and thirsty for the things of God and that has to drive us in everything that we do complacency If there's an enemy of the church, it is complacency. That is about the worst thing that can ever happen. Uh, You know, if you have, I always feel bad for the lawnmower whenever springtime rolls around because it's set there all winter. And of course, if you didn't maintain it and and get it clean before you put it up last year, you start it up and it just blows all that dust out and like, oh, oh gosh, it's just, it's sort of seized up, stove up. And so we... We have to maintain our souls every day because do you know how many competing things your flesh would love to put in front of God? I want to remind us all that if you've been to Calvary's tree and you've been there on bended knee, you no longer belong to yourself, but you've been bought with a price. You have a capital L-O-R-D. You don't have the right to call the shots. We don't understand monarchy here. We're Americans. I'll do what I want to. Don't you tell me what I ought to do. And while we have some appreciation for what that kind of attitude kind of gave us from 1776, it can become sin in God's people. We have a king who rules by decree. He says it and it comes to pass. He speaks and it accomplishes what he intends for it to. I heard a preacher this when I was on the treadmill this week. And uh, he's from New Jersey, so his accent was horrible. But he was awesome because he said, we should be grateful. That God is on His throne. And then he said, our enemies should be grateful too that God is on His throne. Because the moment God comes up off His throne, there will be hell to pay. But as His people, our redemption draws near. Nearer and nearer than the day before. I'm glad that we're losing some things, kind of. Because the more we lose, that only leaves us one thing to grab onto. That's God alone. 
No, I don't want to see it go that way. But if I'm thinking redemptively and if I'm thinking with the, with the view of heaven and I'm thinking of the glory of God, in my life, if there's anything that gets in, the, in between me and God, then I pray He remove it. I would rather have nothing and have Him and have everything. Blessed in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. A beatitude. The interesting thing about the beatitude, I, I just finally wondered, why do they call them the beatitudes? And it's simply from a Latin word, meaning both happy and blessed. So it's a combo word, if you will, a compound word for you English lit people. A beatitude, to be happy and blessed attitude. It's a state of great joy. Now, mind you, if you extrapolate this word more and tear it down, it's a state of exceeding great joy. And Jesus is saying, among other things, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. Thirst and hunger are descriptive terms for basic human needs, aren't they? Now, let's talk about that hunger thing during the time of prayer and fasting. If you've been in it for a week now, you've been hungry, I hope. And it's not, you may not even be hungry always for some food. It could be something else that your soul longs for to turn to. But I tell you, when the tank gets a little empty, hunger and thirst are the basics of human needs. How many of you ever been so thirsty that you just begin to think about where the water hose is in the yard? <laughs> You've been so thirsty that you even get to the point where you don't care if the water is warm. You just are thirsty. You ever had your well go out? You immediately become thirsty. Or you've been hungry. And you're so hungry. And you come in from the day and you raid the pantry. You just need something in your stomach. And, and the mouth and the stomach are tied together. You get that empty taste in your mouth and you just need food. And you go get it, don't you? That's what righteousness is supposed to be for us. We're to hunger for that. Do you know, you probably do, that uh, you can't really survive any longer than three days without water. I mean, given your situation, and maybe if you're in a human environment, probably worse, I don't know. But it, you, can, you can go without food for maybe one to two months, depending on your circumstances. But if you don't eat or drink, the emphasis is you will die. You have to have food and you have to have water. God created us as creatures with dependency built into us. That's why when the Bible talks about he who sits in the heavens shall laugh and shall hold them in derision, these nations who plot a vain thing against the Lord and against his Christ... We're the people who get colds because we go to Walmart 
We're the people who have to have insulated coveralls when we work outside in the cold. We're the people who if we stay out too long, we get sunburned and can't move. We are going to pick on God and tell Him what for? It's a joke. God made us dependent and He is our need meter. He is the one by design to give us what we need. Yeah, hunger is the most descriptive term for basic human needs and and thirst is too. Righteousness is what we're supposed to be after. And that's the question that I want to dig into today a little bit with what I have left. Righteousness, simply as it's used here, is adherence to what is required according to a standard, a moral standard, doing what God requires. So, here's, let me ask it this way. How hungry are we? How hungry am I for what God requires? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey what I say to do. Those who love me Keep my commandments. And I could often say, well, Lord, do I show you in my daily life that I love you by the way I keep your commandments? And the truth of the matter is, sometimes and sometimes not. I've been eternally conflicted because when you've tasted the wonderful manifest presence of God just a, just a little. And He pours on your soul in waves of mercy. And He draws you so close that you could care to exist anymore. Those times are special. And then they kind of fade a little. And you wonder why. Makes me think of Moses. You know, Moses was called the friend of God. What a, what a title in Scripture. It would be like if we were reading through there and said, Bright Nelson, friend of God. Well, how about that? You made it into God. Not only, you made it in the Bible, not only, you're a friend of God. It's right in the Bible. It's forever. It's for all eternity. Moses, friend of God. Moses caught up on a mountain with God in the Shekinah glory for 40 days. Was in the complete manifest presence of Almighty God. His skin glowed and He got off for a long time. But about 40 years later, this man got angry and got and committed an act of, I don't know what you would call it. God said He didn't hallow His name because He got angry and stroked the rock three times. And God said, it's because you didn't hallow my name. And he didn't get it going on the, the promised land. This man that was on the mountain with God for, for 40 days and, and nights, I believe, and, and he shone and he glowed, but eventually that veil that he wore, he didn't have to wear anymore. i got to wonder about that. And I think that it's because God intends for us to trust him at his word. Do you know... One of the neatest, most simple things I heard this past week. When, when I read the Bible, God is speaking to me. If you're here and you've ever said, I just want God to speak to me, just read your Bible. He'll be speaking to you. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. 
righteousness. How did Moses go from that to that? Because we're sinful people and we're to hunger. But you know, Moses went regularly to the tabernacle of meeting and met with God and everybody just kind of watched. Like, ooh, what's going to happen? There was an anticipation of what God might reveal to Moses and then it's going to affect them. We have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us if we know Jesus Christ, the very Godhead right here inside, right? Somewhere inside here. If you know Jesus and you've been to Calvary's tree, you know that. It's been, he's right there with you. And so we have a collective group who've read in their Bible and, and, and just by the, the, the witness of the Spirit, we know times are changing. Now we don't know all the details. Praise God for that. But he's with us. So it it leads me to the question, there's a promise here that Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, everything that pleases God, that God says, you will be filled. And and by actually the word fulfilled is to be satisfied, but not just a little. It's not like going and getting a, a nice big brisket that's just been rolling around the rotisserie and it's got that bark on it and it's all moist and it's good and you crack it and meat just pulls right out. Smoke and all. You eat that. It's talking about being filled to every bit of satisfaction you could muster. That's what he means by being filled. Not just for a moment, but filled. In our workbook on day five, it gave us a long set of questions. It's 18 to be exact. One of them was, and, and a lot of them were yes or no questions, so you couldn't cheat. You could lie to yourself if you want to. But then it gets to this one. And I'm just picking out random ones because I thought this one was sort of a low blow. But good. Clear conscience. In Acts, and I'm going to read this, in Acts chapter 24, verse uh, 16. I strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. I strive to have, an, to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. It asks this question. Do I seek forgiveness from those I wrong or offended? And then it says, this is, this is good. Is my conscience clear with every person? It just didn't say people. Every person. Is my conscience clear with every person? And then it says in parentheses, can I honestly say there is no one I have ever wronged or offended in any way and not gone back to that person and sought his or her forgiveness and made it right. And we realize that we're going to have to spend some time making a list. If you say, well, Question seven, let's just go there. Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. Do you realize that if you stop at 
at question six, that's where you stop. You won't go any path. You won't. That's it. God does not capitulate. If you're wanting revival in your life, if you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness and be filled, then you've got to eat what He puts in front of you. And that's where you will stay. You could do the rest of the book all you want to, but if you stop and you say no, just go on. God does not capitulate. That's how thick it is. Now, it's not the only one. Here's one. How about uh, sacrifice? Is my life characterized by generosity and sacrifice for the sake of Jesus and others? I wrote, I'm not sure. Because I think about those whom I read. Like last night I was reading about the, the uh, Saudi Arabian Christian Bashan who is beaten daily for his faith because he came out and told everybody he was a Christian because he felt the Lord compelling him after eight years of silence to be a witness. Uh, I think of the little girl in Indonesia named Mian, I believe, and who is she's just a little bitty lady and God wants her to go and share Christ with everyone she can see so she goes to the Muslim mosque because there's always people there. And she gets thumped in the back and knocked to the ground by a big man with a beard and yelled at and screamed at and she cried out for strength for the Lord to help her. She took this man by the hand and said, I just want to talk to you. What courage. They're laying their life down and she said, if this be the day that I die, then so be it. Yeah, this Christianity thing is, if you're in it for keeps, and if you're really serious about it, it's going to require everything you've got. And the American way of living does not really grab that very well. Do you want to be filled? Well, that's sacrifice. What about uh, motives? (laughs) Well, am I more concerned with what God thinks about my life than with what others think? There's a whole laundry list there for each of us. Do you want to be filled? Do you want to be satisfied? Listen, if you're going through that book, don't stop. Do what it says. Just trust God and jump off. You say, well, what if there's nothing under there? God is, maybe a little fur piece down, but he'll grab you at the end. Just do it because we don't have time to mess around anymore with getting things right with God. Things are changing so rapidly right now. Chris just said a while ago, five years ago, I never would have thought. We could say that about last week. Literally. That's why I want you to turn to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Goes right along with what Jesus was saying. David is praying. He's in the wilderness of Judah. I wish it would just say the desert of Judah. Because when I think of a wilderness, I think of a pristine mountain forested area with nice clear lakes and stuff. That's not what they had. Just rocks and sand and heat and maybe a few bushes and just desolate landscape. Oh God, you are my God. Do you hear the passion? Early I will seek you. Why wouldn't I wait? Because I need you now. 
My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Just in that alone, to hunger and thirst necessitates being empty and dry. You, have, you cannot hunger and thirst when you're not hungry and thirsty. Going back to the awesome brisket that was put on the rotisserie. If I'm full of other things, like even a bag of chips to the brim, I'm not going to want that. It's true, I don't have a place to put it. But, but think about that with me. We, we say, I, I want to be more, hunger, more hungry for God. I want to be more thirsty for God. But it could be that you're not because you're too full of other things. That's the point of prayer and fasting is to reveal those things. My soul thirsts for you. He was in a parched area. You could, I can feel the heat from here. It's that hot and that dry. And all he wanted was God. That's why he cries, my, oh God, my God. Are you at the point right now in your life when you can say and be sincere, oh God, my God? Because if you can't, you got junk food in your soul life. He says, I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see the power, to see your power and your glory. Clearly this alluded to the tabernacle or place of meeting there in Jerusalem. And, and David was looking for God where he knew God would be. So if you're really hungry and thirsty, will you not go and search to fill that need? In other words... When God is all you're craving, nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else. When is the last time you craved God enough to go into His presence? Because you crave food enough to go into your pantries. Travis even ate three-year-old bread, I think. He eats a lot of weird things. He's still alive. But when you're hungry, you, will, you crave to be filled, right? To take that away. So I'm asking the question, if Jesus promises, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and they will be filled, what do you crave? What do you want? If it's not God, then you have a junk food diet. And you're going to have a junk food result. I looked for God in the sanctuary. Now I think that's interesting. And it's also very, very obvious too. Where, where else would you look for God if you're, if you're a Jew? <laughs> you're you're going to look where He is. Some people come to church. And I'm glad they do. And I, and I hope to see the church full for a little while. Fuller than it's ever been. People, they say, I, I need to get right with God. And the very first thing they think of is, I need to go to church. Because they think that their mind connects God with the church. Now, they may have talked bad about the church. They may have 
been offended at people talking and inviting it, but when they finally get the need enough, the hunger enough, the craving enough, that they need God enough, they're going to go look where they think God is. Let's just pray they find a good church. Because there's a lot of dispensaries of junk food too. They come. And what does he give them? The word. When you come here, what are we talking about right now? Where's our central theme right now? Right here. It's right out of the book. That's why they hate the book so bad. There's power in this book. When, when, he, says, when he says to see your power and your glory, he is so craving God that all he wants is God. And I can guarantee you that, and the Lord said, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, God never does little things. He just doesn't. If he were to grow a tree right now, it would turn into a ginormous tree. God is doing big things all the time. Right now, in every one of us, if we're to be honest, we're, we're looking at, here's been our way of life. Here's how it possibly is going to go. Here's the changes that could come. And then there's the world scene. And we know we're in trouble. And we wonder about the comforts of how that's going to turn out. Because none of us here know physical hunger. None of us here can appreciate a saran wrap spoon full of leftover refried beans in the fridge. Not like those who lived through the Depression can. But it happened once. If God is not your anchor point, what are you going to do? You say you're strong in the faith, but that's with you with a full belly. That's with you with security around you to protect you from persecution. What about when it's gone? Do you know the kind of humility it's going to take to receive a beating daily if that's what God calls you to? What I'm trying to get to you folks is this. Unless right now we begin to develop those disciplines of being right with God and being satisfied with God and having Him as our primary reason for existence. When these things come to pass, and they surely will, we're going to be hurting. David goes on to write, because your loving kindness is better than my life. And I, I just paused there because, can you imagine? He says, because your loving kindness is better than life. <laughs> David is so consumed with knowing and craving God. And the loving care and keeping of God. David says it's better than life. Everyone now is trying to preserve their lives, man. They go to great lengths to preserve their lives. And I think it's a witness against us many times. Because it shows us, shows us what we're about. Self-preservation. Your loving kindness is better than life. Man, I think that harkens back to what Jesus is saying. And you shall be filled. When you know the loving kindness of God, man, you go back to your 
to your conversion when you first were a Christian and you had that sin ripped away, that weight was gone, your life had been cleansed and you knew you were at peace with God and you knew His love as it came into your soul and you were light as a feather. That love, you wouldn't take for that for anything. And then of course after a period of time you begin to be struggling with life a little and you go through what I would call the wobbly years of a toddler in the faith. And you learn what it is to live on the Word of God. To live on the Word of God alone. To trust Him at His Word. Not how you feel, but by what He said. And you become strong. You're eating meat now. You're reading the book of Romans and understanding it finally. And, and you're growing and you're strong. There's a progression in the Christian life, but I fear the American church is stuck with toddler-type faith. Because, well, quite honestly, it's because we can be. I mean, we're completely enabled to be. We have everything we could possibly want at our fingertips. Yesterday, if you don't know, they opened a new food court in Twin. I went there. It was so good. There's all kinds of man food and woman food in there. You'd like it. It's, it's, it's over in Old Town. It's where the Salvation Army used to be. And I was just in there and I thought, wow. And then I got looking. I got to looking around and I begin to imagine what happens when all that's gone. I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly, but you do realize that we are so dependent on a structure to have all these comforts. Is God enough? And so, right now, we have time to get our muscles in shape, right? And I pray we do that. David says, your loving kindness is better than life. He says, my lips shall praise you. Praise is the evidence that God is at work in meeting His people's needs. Did you know that? Praise is evidence that God, when you stop and praise God, it means He's just met a need in your life and you are filled. That's when you praise God. So many of us are like, oh, I've already had that bag of M&M's and that flavor. I've had all the flavors because there's so many flavors now. I've had the cookies. Do we have to have pizza again? Oh, steak again. That doesn't sound like a heart that's craving and hungry and as satisfied. But when we have those things and God meets them, we praise the Lord. We thank God. We're like, I want to just stay here. Let's build three tabernacles. And we begin to think about how we can stay right there and spend time with God. And he says, no, you got to go and you got to get down off this mountain because there's a work for you to do and it's going to be tough. I'll end with this. Jesus said to them in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. <laughs> he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst, because I'm the bread of life. You won't be hungry or thirsty. 
Jesus said, he's the bread of life. They asked him when he was dealing with the Samaritan woman, hey, you hadn't ate all day, aren't you hungry? I have bread to eat of which you do not know or you do not know what it is. I, have, I am being satisfied by the working of the Father in me. In order to gain the benefits of Jesus' bread and water, the first act of the soul, then, is to approach Him. Have you approached Jesus today? Have you approached Jesus in your life? In other words, do you know Jesus today? Do, are you born again right now? I know my spiritual birthday. I always tell y'all, y'all get tired of hearing it. It's going to go up to 36 here soon, but 35 years now. He's held on to me from 12 years old. It'll be 36 come May. He had never let me go. That day changed everything. Do you know Jesus? Because you have to approach Him. Listen to this. John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. The reason is the elect of God always come, and you will be filled. Look, here is a condition of, remember the word pistuo? As it's used here in John six thirty seven, it's a condition of trusting after coming. There is an effect that happens upon approach. Think of a big jet plane. It's coming down, you know, and there's this wind and there's turbulence all around. And sometimes you ever seen those YouTube videos, they're like nearly sideways trying to go this way and land because they're hoping to grab a wheel and turn suddenly. Right? I've been in a little plane like that, and that was the last time I was in a little plane. Okay? In Arkansas, it was horrible. And I got motion sickness and everything was coming up then. Praises and vomit and everything else. So, we're coming in on the approach because we need Jesus. And it's, we've got the devil telling us why we can't and why we're no good and we don't have any worth and, and how God's going to let us down. You can look at all the things that's happened and we're coming in because God's drawing us in. And then finally we land and we're like, wow, I believe. That's exactly how Pistuo works. Have you landed on the runway of salvation? Jesus, it says in John 7.37, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers will flow rivers of living water. Well, that was referring to the Feast of Tabernacles in which they had a ceremony and they took a golden uh, pitcher and they would fill up with water and then they would pour it over here in these bowls. But that was precisely the moment. And then the shofar sounded three times and that was the moment Jesus cried out. Can you imagine? <laughs> they're all going through their big thing. There's this throng of group and people and they're all like watching the water. And then Jesus stands and says, I am the bread of life. He who thirsts can come to me. They're like, weirdo, but yes. But people believed. And they had a thirst. That's what Jesus said. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. To hunger and thirst after righteousness essentially is simply this. To completely, sincerely, 
Rely on God for all your needs. With your spiritual need to knowing Him being your top priority. Is knowing God your top priority? Is keeping Him on the throne of your life top priority? Jesus promises to us that we will be filled to overflowing if we will hunger and thirst after righteousness. Do you? Do I? Don't confuse American Christianity with biblical Christianity. There is a vast difference. And I am remiss when I say I am a little bit joyful and hesitant about the right ahead. I'm joyful that God is going to show me what it is to suffer for His name. I don't like the idea of that. But I want to glorify God in my body, in my life. I want to know Him more. And if it's going to take that to do so, then so be it. If it's going to take that to see revival in America's churches, then so be it. Come Lord Jesus. But that may be a while down the road. We can still have what we're having now. Because judgment comes too. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Do you feel as though you're being filled? I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with this. JT, you come on up. I find that when I really am empty and when I really am done doing my thing, when I reach that point, I am filled. But if I've got other affections, my, my thoughts go elsewhere so easy. I'm not done yet. And I pray then that God would make me finished. So today, as you come,